Episode 17 Ugly For your reference Psalm chapter 149 verse 4 For the Lord takes pleasures in his people he will beautify the humble with salvation 1 John chapter 4 verse 19 We love him because he first loved us 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 4 through 8 Love suffers long and is kind Love does not envy Love does not parade itself Is not puffed up Does not behave rudely Does not seek its own Is not provoked Thinks no evil Does not rejoice in iniquity But rejoices in the truth Love bears all things Believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. And then verse 13 says, And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Um, There's a quote, a famous quote by uh, Alfred Lord Tennyson, where he says, it's better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. Um, And when I hear that quote, something came to mind, my own quote, some love is better than no love at all. At least that's what um, we find ourselves, many of us unconsciously saying to ourselves. Some of us know that that's the reality and it's it's what we live by. Um, I had a conversation with a cousin of mine just recently um, that really sparked, um, you know, what God laid on my heart behind this episode where we just was, we were having to talk about the podcast and just talking about how, of course, as women, we um, experience traumatic things sometimes, unfortunately, over the course of our lifetime, um, beginning in childhood and, and continuing on into our adulthood. And sh- what she said was she found that in her adult years, it's hard for her to take a compliment where, you know, a man would tell her that she's beautiful or that, you know, she she looks good. She would find herself immediately pointing out all of the reasons why she wasn't beautiful and pointing out all of the re- all of the flaws that she had, which were the basis or the justification why she felt that the person shouldn't be saying what they were saying. And she said what she realized over the years and what she's learned about herself is that because in past situations she has been mistreated, um, oftentimes a pattern of mistreatment and consistent mistreatment, um, she got to the point where she started to believe, well, if you treat me ugly, then I must be ugly. And a lot of times we find ourselves in these situations where um, we've experienced our traumatic events, and, and especially if we have trauma that began in our childhood, where, where we start to believe that we are not deserving of love. So as I as I looked at the word ugly, and I thought about, you know, the tone of our conversation, um, you know, I kind of could see, um, you know, the, the letters in the word ugly standing for something. And so a lot of, a lot of times we, um, really start to believe that we are ugly, that we are undeserving of genuine love, that we are undeserving of good love, that we are under, under, undeserving of godly love. And once we find ourselves moving into a realm of salvation, moving into, um, you know, a, a place of faith and developing, developing a relationship with God, 
we sometimes feel like we are undeserving of God's love. Now, we all know that um that because it's only because of his grace. We all know that we were re- that we were a wretch, that we were sinners that did not deserve um the love of Christ, the love of God, but we know through scripture um from from the beginning of scripture to the end, um the one of the most famous verses being quoted, John chapter 3 verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whomsoever should believe in him should not perish but not but have everlasting life. Verse 17 says, for God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the love that God had for us um, is the reason why he was willing to give up his only son, why he was willing to come to the earth in the form of man and to take on the punishment and, and all that we deserve for our sins. He loved us that much that he was willing to take it take it on so that we could have a right to eternal life. But just backing up a minute to um, really deal with this issue of um, feeling like we don't deserve genuine love, feeling like we don't deserve good love. It takes me back to this premise of a stronghold where, um, we have had, you know, as my cousin was saying, we've had all these horrible experiences. We've dealt with people with person after person. Um, sometimes it can be family members, friends, man after man that have consistently mistreated us that have consistently shown, or at least the enemy has try to show us that we must not be deserving of good love. We must not be deserving of a healthy relationship. We must not be deserving of sound love and, and of someone who, um, as the scripture in Corinthians says of all of the, the, the descriptors of what genuine and real love really is about. Um, the enemy comes in through our experiences and we begin after, you know, so many traumatic experiences, we begin to erect these walls. We begin to um, put up kind of these walls um, mentally as well as emotionally. So these walls around our heart where in our mind, we can, if we could just prevent anyone from being able to get close enough to us to hurt us in that way, again, it's our uh, self-defense mechanism. It's our way of protecting ourselves, which what we find is that, and what I always teach is that not only do you think you're keeping people out, but you sometimes erect those walls so high and they're so thick that you keep God out. And so now, um, once you come into a relationship of faith, as God is looking to elevate us and to grow us, we kind of hit like this, you know, this ceiling, so to speak, where it's only so far that he, he can go or we can go in deepening our faith and elevating in the knowledge of him because we've got these walls up. And so what God seeks to do, there's a scripture um, I believe that scripture is in Jeremiah that talks about breaking up the fellow ground where God wants to get, he wants to get to our heart because in order for us to truly receive the word, in order for us to truly receive the promises of God, um, as that parable that Jesus told about the, the, the sower and the seed, our heart has to be good ground. Our heart has to be in a place, amen, where as we're hearing the word, at, and as the scripture says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So in order for our faith to grow, in order for our faith to deepen, it's all through hearing God's word, whether it's in service being um, taught to us, whether we're watching sermons on YouTube, whether we are reading the word on our own, um, our our hearts have to be good ground. Amen. And so, um, a lot of times the, the trauma and the experiences and the things that we go through, our hearts are, you know, if you think of a garden overgrown with weeds and thorns and, um, all of these things that, that would come as the scripture said to choke the word 
out of you where the the sower does its job to you know drop that seed of the word in your heart but it can't take root amen so that it can produce fruit so that you can truly grow and the word can um grow the way that god intends it to grow and so back to this idea of, of, of a stronghold, not only do we erect these walls, but then we, behind that comes, Satan comes and he devises these schemes where we have certain ways of thinking that based off of what we've experienced, based off of what we've, we've gone, gone through, wrong beliefs, wrong mindsets, wrong patterns of thinking, which manifest themselves as wrong desires, wrong behaviors, etc. So my cousin's, this idea in her that she had in her head, this belief that she had, this wrong belief that she had of, you know, people treat me ugly, so I must be ugly, is an example of how the trauma in our life and these painful experiences that we endure, how they come and they do this damage, and the enemy begins to work and he begins to um, toy with our mind and speak to our mind and speak things to our mind that we start to believe. Um, there, the scripture in the word, um, I believe it's in... Uh, if it's not in Corinthians, it's in Colossians, but I believe it's in Second Corinthians that says the weapons of our warfare aren't carnal, but mighty through God, through God, to the pulling down of every stronghold. And in that, in those couple of verses of Scripture, it talks about how um, we have vain imaginations that have to be cast down, that we have to take every thought, Amen. And I'm, I'm kind of flipping to see if I can uh, find it real quick because I, I like to be able to quote it. Because it, it's essential to the to the spiritual warfare that we wage. Um, in order to truly be successful in the warfare that we wage, there has to be an understanding. And it is in Second Corinthians chapter 10. We have to have an understanding of how the enemy works um, when he's attacking us. So Second Corinthians chapter 10, um, verse starting at verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And these, this, these are the verses that I want to get to. Casting down arguments. So when we have these traumatic experiences, when we go through these painful experiences, the enemy comes to um, almost like a, a defense attorney in a case. He comes to present an argument, amen, based on the evidence that we see in our life. Based on, so using my cousin as, a, as an example, based on this pattern of mistreatment, based on um, this consistent mistreatment that she has experienced over the course of her life, the enemy comes to pitch an argument that says, well, if you're being treated this way, it has to be because um, something's wrong with you. You're being treated ugly, so you must be ugly. Or he pitches the argument that, you know, your mama didn't show you the love that a mother's supposed to uh, show. Your friends, you know, stabbed you in the back and didn't show you the love that they thought that you thought they had for you. The, the man came along and he didn't love you the way that you thought a man should love you. And so we start to believe that we're not deserving of genuine love. We start to believe that we're not deserving of uh, that uh, good love or the godly love according to scripture and again once we move into a realm of faith once we develop a relationship with god but we have to learn in spiritual warfare amen how to cast down these arguments that satan tries to make as he tries to convince us amen that we're not deserving as he tries to convince us that we're ugly as he tries to convince us it had to be your fault we have to uh, get ourselves in a position of faith where we can wage war against him and um in Ephesians, it talks about the whole armor of God and how the sword, the shield of faith is what quenches the fiery darts of the wicked. 
When we have faith in God, amen, when we have faith in him and believe his word, when we believe his promises to be true, when we allow him to do that work in our heart of breaking up that fellow ground so that his word can take root, amen, now it is our faith that fights against those those thoughts, that fights against the arguments that Satan wants to pitch to our mind because we have trust in God. We have trust in what he said has said in his word. It says, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts his against the knowledge of God, the knowledge of who God is, the knowledge of what God's word says, the knowledge of who God says we are in him, the knowledge of what God has promised us. Amen. So we cast down everything that is looking to place itself above the knowledge of what we of what we know to be true about God. And when we talk about these strongholds, when we talk about the wrong mindsets, when we talk about the wrong patterns of thinking, the wrong ways of thinking, the wrong wrong uh, mindsets. Amen. These are those high things that look to exalt themselves above the knowledge of God. These are the things, amen, that are looking to um, place themselves above what we know to be true about God. We know that God is a healer. We know that he is a protector. We know that, um, you know, all of the promises that he has made in his word concerning us, amen, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. These things, in our hurt places, in our broken spaces, in our traumatic experiences, they come to place themselves above the knowledge that we have of who of what God has said. Amen. It says, um, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And so when the enemy is really working, uh, amen, in our mind, when he's really trying to wage his warfare on our mind, we have to be diligent. Amen. We That means we have to be on it. We can't slack up. And this is easier said than done, right? Because it, it's very easy for the enemy to bring a thought and then we, we ponder on it and we, it's, we can't let it go. And then one thought leads to another, which leads to another, which leads to another. This is his attack. When, when the, the, um, whole armor of God scripture talks about the fiery darts of the wicked. That's what it's talking about. He fires thought after thought, after thought, after thought, where sometimes we feel so bombarded by thoughts that we can't gain. I always imagine it, even just how he attacks me, where it's like, I can't gain my footing so that I'm able to uh, either rebuke him or as that scripture says, um, you know, bringing those thoughts into the obedience bringing them captive captive into the obedience of Christ it's like he if you if you think of soldiers in a war it's like the 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 onslaught it keeps coming it keeps coming and it's like you're you're trying to you know kind of um real and kind of steady yourself so that you're able to advance against the enemy and that's what the whole armor scripture says that we keep on the whole armor not so that we're always in a defensive position position waiting for him to attack but we wear the whole armor so that we can advance against him we can advance against his kingdom amen and so same thing with the strongholds. It, this is how he attacks uh this is how he works against us this is how he fights against us where um he, he wants us to have a skewed perceptive or he wants to pervert a man um, what we think we deserve and what we think we're worthy of. Because when we when it's perverted in the natural, then it's more plausible or it's more than likely that that's going to transfer over to the spirit where we will we will be convinced that 
even though the word tells us that God loves us, it tells us that he has, um, you know, his mercy for us is renewed day by day. It says that he, that the mercy, the mercies endure forever, that, um, he, he loved us enough to send his son, um, that we are able to love because he first loved us. All of these things that we know in scripture, if we, if the enemy can get us to buy into the lies that we don't deserve genuine love from mankind, then that'll be transferred over into the spirit with a God that we can't see, right? Well, if people who I see every day, amen, don't treat me genuinely, don't give me the love that I, I know or that I believe that I deserve, if, if the enemy can convince me of that, then it's much easier for him to convince you as you step into a relationship with Christ, that you don't deserve the love that God says he show. And of course, because we're human and the word says that we all fall short daily as we start to make mistakes in our walk of faith. That's one of the first arguments that he makes. See, see, you, you can't get it right. You, God, God loves you and wants to give you all of this. And he'll take the, he'll take the word. Amen. Bless. Well, I don't say bless his heart, but the enemy is crafty. He'll take the word. He'll take the very scripture, the very word of God, the very thing that, that we speak to, to destroy him. Amen. The very word that declares that we have victory over him. The very word that says that he is underneath our feet and we can keep him underneath our feet. Amen. He'll take the very word of God and try to use it, try to pervert it and twist it against us and make us feel like because we um, have made this mistake or because we're struggling with this or because we can't seem to get this right, that we're not deserving of what God has for us. We're not deserving of the plan that God has for our life. We And, and Jeremiah 29, 11 already tells us that God says, for I know the plans that I have for you. He has the plans to prosper us. He has plans. And yes, God um, will provide for our needs and he will even give us a desire of our heart. But God desires to prosper us in the spiritual he wants to see us grow in the spiritual because we are helpers one to another so when he can we can rely on the lord and we can grow in faith and trust to be delivered out of our many afflictions then he can use us to go back and do the same for our brother and sister so god doesn't have um plans to to destroy us or to harm us he has plans to give us hope and an expected end the enemy doesn't want us to believe any of that he wants us to believe that it's it's all for nothing that it's all in vain that you're not going to be able to get it right but it starts in the in the natural amen where he looks to convince us that um you you keep finding yourself in these relationships you keep finding yourself in these situations where you know this is happening and they're saying this and they're treating you like this it's got to be your fault this 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 has to be what you deserve. This this is what you deserve. What you are getting, how people are treating you, this has to be what what you deserve. Um our experiences, the things that we experience whether they're in our childhood or adulthood or both, they make us believe that we have to settle. Amen. That we have to accept whatever. So going back to Alfred's uh, famous quote here where he's saying it's better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. Um, we get to this place of believing that we have to, that we're going to accept whatever love is available. Um, even if that means it's unhealthy, even if that means that it's toxic, because at least as Alfred is telling us, at least I, I think I've had this experience of loving and, and I can, I'll always be able to say, well, at least I had that little bit. I come to challenge that because the devil is a lie and God does not um, intend for us to be in bondage. He doesn't intend for us to be, 
you know, in these situations or accepting these situations or settling in these situations that we clearly can see that are not for us. Now, God is sovereign. Amen. And he will allow things to happen. He will allow us to be placed in situations. But there are also times where we find ourselves in situations because of choices we made that we shouldn't have. Amen. Everybody, I don't care who you are, you find yourself in a situation where you're suffering through something because you made a choice that you know you shouldn't have made. Amen. Um, but even when you're suffering, it's not at it's not your fault. Even when you're suffering is because of the actions and the sins of someone else. Amen. Um, it still doesn't mean that we are to settle. Now, just like the children of Israel in Egypt, and in their bond, in their bondage, and in their slavery, they had to wait for the Lord to move. Sometimes we're in situations where we have to wait for the Lord to move. I look at my former marriage as as that type of situation. I entered into this marriage in sin. We both were in sin, but once I accepted the call, um, accepted um, the call to salvation. Once I accepted and and Christ as my Savior and accepted Him into my heart and began to actually change my lifestyle. Once things started to happen, it was not God's intention that he was going to leave me in that place. Amen. He wasn't going to leave me in that um, bondage. He wasn't going to leave me in that bad space. But I had to wait. Amen. I had to wait for um, the Lord's timing of deliverance. But there came a point somewhere in that marriage where I believed, amen, while I was trusting God, and this again, this is once I got saved, while I was trusting God, while, while I was believing that God was going to save him and that, you know, things were going to have a turnaround, things were going to change, we were going to get on one accord, we were going to walk as one with God, you know, as our head, amen, somewhere uh, sub or unconsciously, I convinced myself that this person loved me, even though there were actions and not necessarily the actions that ended up being the um, reason why the marriage ended, but there, there were actions and, and a lot of us find ourselves in situations where we know how to kind of overlook emotional abuse. We know how to overlook verbal abuse. Amen. We, we find ourselves, I've told people, we learn how to function in dysfunction. We learn how to adjust and adapt to toxicity. We learn how to um, create a healthy picture in the midst of an unhealthy place. And looking back, because hindsight definitely is twenty twenty, I can see where I settled. I could see where I accepted things that were toxic. I accepted things that were unhealthy. And this by no means is to say that I'm perfect because, or that I was perfect because I'm not. We all are human. We all make mistakes. But there were definitely things that I know that I was undeserving of. There were things that I definitely know that I settled, that I... For, um, I, we, we make, uh, trade-offs, right? We, we make exchanges. Um, you see them all the time where, you know, things are put forth on Facebook, kind of like these hypotheticals, like, you know, basically if your man is rich, could you, could you, could you deal with him cheating? You know, things of that nature. But we do that every day. We do that sometimes without even thinking about it. So to exchange me and my, um, wholeness and, and, and health, emotional health, mental health, spiritual health. I was willing to a certain extent to exchange it, to hold on to the semblance of family, to hold on to the semblance of a, of a marriage. And we do that. We, we pick through 
We look at the total picture and we pick through and we hold on to the, the good parts, the parts that we perceive as good. And if we can find enough good that we believe outweighs the bad, we rolling with it. We going with it. Okay, well, you know what? He might be lying all the time. He might not be paying the bills, but you know what? He come home every night. Or, you know, he may um, he may talk to me, you know, kind of crazy, you know, yelling and cussing and ah, but you know what i know he loves me because we've been together for all these years we do that we, we make these trade-offs where we settle and again this is the enemy partially at work where he skews things and he somewhere has convinced us that this um unhealthy version of love is what we deserve that and sometimes the sad part and I'm just thinking of my own situation, we don't even realize, amen, that we're not in a situation of genuine love. We we truly believe that this person genuinely loves us. We truly believe that this this is good love because it appears that, you know, he he's with me because he's in my home and he comes here every night or whatever the case may be. The way that the enemy toys with our mind and can get us to really um make these arguments and believe that what we're in is something healthy just as well as he can make these arguments and these cases for why um all of these wrong perceptions he he presents them as truth same thing with this so here here is this facade of a relationship here is this facade of a marriage here is this facade of a family but within that even in my walk of salvation amen even with me being filled with the holy spirit and having discernment but our flesh and our emotions can get in the way we can start to lean so heavily on how we feel and our emotions that it's almost it, it blinds our us and our ability to discern and be sensitive to the spirit because we're supposed to be sensitive to the spirit in all areas does that mean that what i did was wrong no it's nothing wrong with truly believing in your mate or your spouse there's nothing with with truly believing that your mother has a genuine motherly love for you. There's nothing wrong with believing that your father is your protector or is supposed to be your protect protector, even if he is one of the main people that's hurting you. There's there's nothing wrong with that. You are not wrong for believing that. Unfortunately, what happens is we trade in what we think is best for what God knows to be best. And if we're not careful, the trade-offs can be detrimental. Amen. And so uh, in this conversation with, you know, my cousin, of course, we kind of moved into, you know, no, like we have to, um, you know, as you as you go through life, especially in salvation, what happens as you grow in God is he starts to deal with every part of you bit by bit. He knows all. And so he knows what we can handle and when we can handle it. And so bit by bit, as we continue to grow, as he sees us elevate, he starts to, he's ready to bring stuff out of our hearts. He's ready to kind of dredge up stuff that we feel like we got tucked away. As we grow in trusting him, as we grow in our relationship with him, as we draw closer to him, now he wants to do his work in us. Now it's time to start some healing. Now it's start time to start some deliverance. Now it's time to start purging these uh, wrong mindsets and these wrong patterns of thinking and these wrong behaviors and these wrong desires. And so little by little, he wants to deal with it. Our job or our role in that is submission. 
throughout this podcast, throughout the episodes of this podcast, I have talked about submission because in order for God to do God, you know, you may have heard it say that God is a gentleman. God doesn't force anything on us. He's not going to make us heal. He's not going to make us deal with our past. We have to submit. And in order to submit, there has to be trust. So he spends his time deepening our faith so that we begin to trust him more and more because the more we trust, the more we can let go. And that's what submission is. That's what surrender is. It's letting go of you. It's letting go of, of your right to yourself. It's letting go of you thinking that you know is best for you. That's a hard one for us. It's letting go of control. It's coming to the, the, the point, the apex, the recognition that I don't know anything. I don't know what's best for me because I thought Johnny was best for me and Johnny was bashing me upside my head. So I don't know what's best for me. So as we, as we more and more trust God, we have this willingness to surrender. We have this willingness to say, okay, Lord, I can't do it. Okay, Lord, I can't fix it. Okay, Lord, I'm turning it over to you. That's what submission is. And so as we progress in our walk of salvation, and we all have setbacks, but as we progress in our walk of salvation and the more that we get to know him and the closer that we get to him and the more that we're like, you know what? Yep. He, he just, he hasn't let me down. Like things may not. And, and one of our biggest problems of feeling like we were let down is because we again have a perception that we know what's best. So when we're asking God for stuff, we already have in mind how we want it to go or how we want it to turn out. The disappointment is because when he answers, it doesn't happen the way we thought it should. And and so that's not his fault because what we have to understand is we, we, we know nothing. We have no capability in and of ourselves. We are fragile creatures made of the dust of the ground that he created us who rely on him. We have to come to a space and a place of understanding that we rely on him for everything. And even when we get that in our heart and spirit, there's still going to be a battle as Paul talks about the flesh and uh, spirit battle where we know what we know in our spirit, but our flesh is like, uh-uh, you know, I'm still here. I still think I know. I still got the answer. No, you should do it this way. No, this is what we really want. And so then there's that battle of what our spirit knows that I don't know anything and I'm waiting on the answer from the Lord. And the flesh is like, well, he ain't answering. So let us go ahead and try to work this out. Let us go ahead and try to, um, you know, figure it out. Or I think this is the way that we should go. All of this is a part of our walk. Um, the walk is a process. It is a journey. And so as we as we grow and as we continue on in our faith and as we are willing to submit to us, we have these moments of reckoning, right? Where now we have to face this ugly, you know, event, this ugly experience, this ugly truth about ourselves, this ugly, um, wow, I can't believe this is what I've really been believing all these years. There comes these moments of reckoning with the Lord where he's like, okay, here it is. Now it's time to deal with this. Um, all right, let's dredge this up out of you. Uh, give me that. Give me this suitcase because in this suitcase is the big one. And, and now it's time to open it and deal with it. And so we have to let him do that work as we grow in our walk with him. That's why reading your word is important. That's why fasting and praying is important because as we grow in him, this is the work that he's looking to help us do. He's looking to help deal with our past. He's looking to help heal us from these traumatic experiences. He's looking to deliver us from these wrong mindsets and these wrong behaviors and these wrong patterns of thinking, but we got to surrender it. We got to say, okay, Lord, let's sit, this, let's sit the case on the table and open it. I'm, you know, I'm not ready, but I trust you. 
It's going to hurt, but I trust you. It's uncomfortable, but I trust you. Oh, I, I, I didn't want to deal with that, but I trust you. Amen. As we, as we, if we trust him, as we say we do, then we have to know that as the word says, he'll never leave us and forsake us. So he's even there with us, walking us through, um, those traumatic experiences that we know we want to, we know we want, we need to heal from. We just don't want to do the work. When God is saying, I'm right here with you. I'm walking you through it. I'm holding your hand. Sometimes I'm carrying you through it or other times I'm dragging you through it. But now it's time to deal because you can't continue to progress in me. You can't have healthy interactions with my people. I can't use you as that vessel until we deal with this. When we talk about being ugly, undeserving of genuine love, undeserving of good love, undeserving of godly love, yet we settle. Yet we accept whatever is given to us. Yet we take whatever is available. Yet we're willing to deal with the scraps if it means I got somebody in my bed at night. Yet we're willing to take the mental abuse if it means that I I at least get to spend some time with my mom. Yet we take the knives in the back if it means that I can say that I have a friend. But God is saying... So the enemy wants you to think, yeah, you ugly, all right. Your past is ugly. Your behaviors are ugly. Your heart is ugly. So you're undeserving of God's love. But God's yet is nevertheless, in spite of, Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, I won't read it, but basically it's the scripture that talks about how Christ, how our sins were not imputed to us. So our sins, our unrighteousness, our wickedness, our filthiness, all of that was not was not attributed to us. It wasn't laid on our shoulders. It wasn't laid at our feet to say, this is your mess and now you got to answer for it. But instead, it was, excuse me, it was given to Christ. It was laid on his shoulders in the form of the whip, the whipping and the beating and the uh, spear in his side and the nails in his hand and the crown of thorns and the lashings in his back and being spit on, amen, and having to carry the cross. It was, it was our mess. You've heard it said that he looked beyond our faults and he saw our needs. So, yes, we're undeserving of God's love. Yet, yet, he loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son. That whomsoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We have to deal with, and the only way that this can be done is with God. God is the one who gives us, who empowers us, who enables us, who is there with us to walk through our life's pains, our life's uh, experiences, these things that have come to make us bitter and angry and resentful and hateful, all of these things. He wants to show us that you not only are you under not only are you deserving of my genuine love, of my good love, of the love of God, but you are deserving of that from your from people as well. And you may not have gotten it from your mother or your father, but Psalms 27, there's a verse in there that says that um, when my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will lift me up. Um, in the Bible, we know that we are called, we can be called the friends of God so that when our friends turn our back on their back on us, when our friends are, we feel like they're stabbing us in the back and they're hurting us and they're, you know, causing us all this pain. God is a friend. Amen. What, as the song says, what a friend we have in Jesus. Um, what other friend do you know that's going to take your faults and lay it on themselves? all our sins and griefs to bear what a privilege it is to carry we can take everything to jesus we can take everything to him in prayer what friend do you know that you can take everything at any moment at any hour 
We don't need a mediator. We don't need, we don't have to wait for him to get off work. We don't have to wait for him to wake up. If, if we are in a moment or in, in a time where we're struggling with something, all we have to do is cry out and call his name and we can talk to him about whatever. Same thing with, you know, in our love, our love life. God intends for us to have good, healthy love. He intends for us to be able to find, um, enter into relationships with people who can love us based on not the world's love, amen, not the way that the world has love, not the way that the world shows love, but the way that love is um, spoken of in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Um being able to go through these verses of scripture and look at the situations, the relationships that we find ourselves in, even the marriage and say, is the love in this marriage? Does it suffer long? Is it quick to get angry? Is it quick to want to give up? Is the love in in this marriage or this relationship kind? Is there a lot of envy and jealousy and insecurity and accusation? And you got to be doing this. And I believe you doing that because it says that, um, Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself or is not puffed up. It it don't, it's not haughty and think that it's better than, you know, the person that we're supposed to be loving. So as, as we go through these verses of scripture, can we see that love in these relationships that we're in? Because that we're, we are deserving of that. We are deserving of that unconditional love. We are deserving of that agape love. We are deserving of that, um, uh, ergos. We are de- deserving of that brotherly love. Because, um, as the scripture says in first John chapter four, 19, we are able to love him because he first loved us. And the, the greatest way that we can show forth the love of Christ is the love that we show to the people we see every day. The scripture says, how can we love God who we does we don't see, but hate the people we see every day. So if you have, if you find yourself in situations where you are getting that twisted love, that perverted love, that skewed, unhealthy, that toxic love, that's not what God has for you. Amen. That's not what God, when it says, um, in, I think it's, uh, John 10 and 10, where it says, um, the thief cometh, but to steal, kill and destroy, but Jesus has come that we have life and that more abundantly that he wants us to have life abundantly. The love that he wants us to experience is a part of that abundant life that he has for us. Amen. He wants us to experience a love that is true and that is genuine and that is good. Amen. Because he wants us to love the way that he loves us. He, our belief in Christ empowers us to love the way that, that Christ has loved us. Our flesh tells us we can't do it. Our flesh tells us that we are not able to love the way that that God loves us. And that's not true. The way that he requires of us. And that's not true because we have been empowered to do it. But it's all about surrender. And as the word says, you will reap what you sow. And so as you are out giving that love that God intends, you, God will ensure God if it is in his will that you will receive that same love, it just may not come the way that you desire it to or the way that you think it should look. But done away with is the lie that we have to settle. Done away with is the lie that we have to accept whatever love is available. Done away with is the lie that we have to take whatever is given to us. We God intends that um we be we be whole, we be healthy, we be sound, amen. It doesn't mean that we're not gonna experience trial and tribulation, but this this idea that we have to take what we can get, this idea to have a little bit of love is better to better 
than not having any love at all. This idea that, well, I'm, I'm just going to settle for this. I, I know he ain't perfect in every area, but that's not the life that God intends for us. That That's not what he has for us. And so as we begin to really deal with these place in, places in us that are broken, and as we really step into spiritual health and spiritual wellness, we will find that we are less likely to settle because we hopefully will develop an ability of patience to, as the word says, wait on the Lord and be of good courage. When we can wait, when we can wait for him to do what he has to do in his timing, in his way, as he sends us what he has for us, then all of the settling, all of the just taking what I can get, it goes away. I just want to encourage you today um, there's a song by, um, there's a couple people, different people that sing it, but it says, Oh, the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God. One thing that I can say is that no matter how many people you have in your life that love you, truly love you, you feel the love, you know, they love you. No one will ever be able to love you the way that God loves you undeserving of God's love yet yet he freely gives it yet he stands waiting yet he is looking to show us that his love is unconditional and his love it truly is genuine it truly is good and it definitely is godly Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just thank you and we praise you. Oh God, we lift you up and we magnify your name. Lord, we just thank you for this space and this opportunity. We thank you, Father God, that you that you love us so much that you sent your son, Jesus. We thank you, Father God, that you loved us so much that you didn't want to condemn us, Lord, but that you wanted to save us. We thank you, Father God, that you loved us so much that you had a plan from the beginning, hallelujah, to restore us back unto you in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father God, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus, that you love us so much, Lord God, that healing is available, restoration is available, peace is available and joy is available in the name of Jesus. Lord God, help us as we grow in our faith, as we grow in our walk with you, Lord God, help us to see that we don't have to settle. Help us to see, Lord God, that we are deserving of it all. Help us to see that all of the promises that you have made for us, oh God, that we can reap if we faint not in the name of Jesus. Lord God, I ask that you just step into the homes of every woman listening to this. You know our needs. You know our wants. You know, Father God, that in our human frailty, we desire genuine love. Go in and wrap your loving arms around your people in the name of Jesus. Let them feel your agape love. Let them feel your ergo, so God. Let them feel your brotherly love in the name of Jesus. Let them feel, hallelujah, the love that you have, Father God, that looks looked beyond our faults and it sees our needs in the name of Jesus. The love that is the reason why you have extended your grace. The love that is the reason why in the name of Jesus, your mercy endures forever. And Lord God, give us the boldness and the courage to go out and love as you have loved. For as First Peter chapter 4 and 8 says... Uh, let us have fervent love for love covers a multitude of sins. These things and all things we ask in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Be blessed and until next time.